It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 157, Quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world, uh, largely from a Christian perspective. But let's start in Scotland with the First Minister of Scotland uh, getting somewhat tetchy at a press conference. I kind of communicate at a level where I assume a certain level of intelligence on the part of people listening to me, because I think that's justified. And I assume a certain ability to attach context and common sense to what I'm saying. Well, I have a certain degree of empathy and sympathy with uh, Nicola Sturgeon. Like her, I too expect you, my listeners, to have a certain level of intelligence and the ability to assess context and common sense. But, um, I mean, when, when you say that, you really open yourself to a, a great deal of criticism, which is what she has done, because, um, for example, Nicola Sturgeon uh, signs herself or puts out on her Twitter, she, her. Now, common sense tells me when I hear her voice, when I look at her, yes, she is she, her. So why is she doing that? Uh, the Scottish government, which she leads, put out a tweet, which so ridiculous, saying, Almost 57,000 pregnant people have had the COVID vaccine in the UK. Pregnant people. We, we used to call them women. But uh, apparently men can now get pregnant. So I am a little bit, um, I think it's a little bit rich for the First Minister of Scotland to call out other people for intelligence, ability, context and common sense, given the record of her government in recent times. Now, we do try to keep you up to date with what's going on throughout the world. And uh, this is a rather good news. North and South Korea have signalled a thaw in relations last Tuesday. They uh, Over a year ago, they stopped cross-border communications. They're officially at war with each other. Remember, of course, that North Korea is a communist dictatorship with nuclear weapons and uh, incredibly dangerous. However, they have now reopened communications and reopened their border. Um, they've, uh, the Kim Jong-un and uh, Mr. Moon, the South Korean president, have established hotlines and exchanged letters and begun inter-Korean communications. That's good news, and we give thanks to God for that. And then Tunisia, this is an interesting one. Um, Tunisia was seen as the model of what was called the Arab Spring in 2011. And it hasn't really worked out. The president has now sacked the country's prime minister after demonstrators took to the streets. And a lot of this, by the way, has to do with COVID. The prime minister, Hichem Mekiki, again, I'm hoping I pronounced it right, uh, he's been fired by President Kass Saeed, um, who says that he's now taking over. Um, it seems that this Arab Spring revolution in Tunisia has not provided stability economically or politically. And of course, in that sense, then 
it easy for Muslim militants to come into the vacuum. So pray for Tunisia. And then Iran. Now, we've mentioned Iran a lot, and Iran is incredibly important. But um, there's a very insightful article I read in The Spectator um, about the liquid that is going to cause so much trouble in Iran. And it's not oil. Guess what it is? It's it's water. Um, a liter of crude oil is worth around 45 US cents, 33 pence. A bottle, a liter of bottled water in the UK costs you 65 pence, double. Oil has dropped from its high in 2008, while water's value has stayed the same and even risen across the Middle East. And that's where the new wars are coming. Fought not over, as the article puts it, they will be fought not over the liquid that powers industry, but one that forms the basis of life itself. Iran, largely because of bad management, also climate change, is finding itself running out of water. According to Kavith Madani, a scientist and former deputy environment minister, Iran is water bankrupt after years of government mismanagement. Well, watch this space very, very carefully. Uh, I read an article about 20 years ago saying the wars of the future would be fought over water. And you can see that happening. And we look up because mirroring the logo, the sky high above the stadium is filled with the shimmering light of 1800 drones. The globe above the stadium and the music below. I know I said I wasn't interested in the Olympics, but you kind of do get drawn in and you do have to admire the athletes and, you know, it would be churlish not to um, take joy and pride in, in some of the sporting prowess, even with the corruption, even with all the other factors involved. Um, so, you know, if you're watching the Olympics and enjoying it, well, well good for you. Um, but I, I do have, have, a, have a question about this. Listen to this from the opening ceremony. Imagine there's no countries It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for And no religion to Imagine all the That's a group of celebrities singing John Allen's Imagine. We had a group of children singing the same song at the London 2012 Olympics when it opened it. Now, why is it that Imagine is seen as a kind of national anthem for the world, for lots of the world? It's so inappropriate. Think of it in lots of ways. It's largely wealthy people singing about imagining no possessions, when all the time they're hoarding onto them. In the Olympics, what is the Olympics? It's competition between countries. 
and yet imagine no countries. A brotherhood And then you've got people singing delusional stuff. Imagine no God, you know, no religion. And they're really, they're saying no humanity. Lenin's imagination wasn't a dream, it was a nightmare. And it's just incredibly sad to see how this world at this time, when it needs to cry out to God for mercy, is still mocking him. And then one other item of news from the Olympics. Um, this is an extraordinary story. Norway's women's beach handball team was fined over $2,000 for improper clothing because they refused to wear bikini bottoms during their game against Spain in Bulgaria. The team members opted to wear bike shorts instead. Now, I thought this was supposed to be about sport. I thought it was supposed to be about empowerment of women. The only reason for them to insist that these women wear bikini bottoms is so that men can ogle them. Germany's female gymnastics team, they wore full body suits at the Tokyo Olympics in order to promote freedom of choice and encourage women to wear what makes them feel comfortable. Well, I'm with the German sisters on that one. It's meant to be about sport, not a peep show for men. Here's our anthem of the week. That is Chinese uh, Taipei, according to the BBC. Uh, Republic of China, as officially known, or Taiwan, as most of us would know the country. But how astounding that the BBC are, use Chinese Taipei, which is what the Communist Party call it. Uh, just incredible. I, I like, by the way, the, the lyrics of that anthem. To found a free land, world peace be our stand, lead on comrades, hold fast your aim by sun and star, be earnest and brave your country to save, one heart, one soul, one mind, one goal. Yeah. You're watching today. Thanks for your company. Every Australian will have the opportunity to be vaccinated by Christmas and lockdowns will become a thing of the past. That is what Prime Minister Scott Morrison promised as he announced disaster payments would rise for those affected by the lockdowns. The Prime Minister joins us now. Good morning, PM. Thanks for your time this morning. Um, people are really stinging out there and they're desperate. Um, why couldn't you roll this out a month ago? OK, let's come on to COVID. Well, here I am in Australia and we've just been announced today that Sydney had 239 cases, which for many of you in the rest of the world doesn't appear a huge amount, but here has everyone in hysterics. And so we've had the usual mandatory masks outdoors for some of the areas in Sydney, thankfully not mine. Ridiculous rule. 
for no reason other than to say that we're actually doing something. It's just a nightmare. Um, and the premiers of the various states fighting amongst one another, Mark McGowan of Western Australia saying he wouldn't send vaccine to Sydney. It's it's really, really, really sad. Um, lockdown. It's strange. You know, I was been saying to friends and family back in Scotland, it's been great living in a country where there's no lockdown. Well, we're going to have at least two months of it, if not more. But then Indonesia. Please do think of Indonesia and pray for Indonesia. Um, Indonesia, just north here of Australia, vaccination rate of 6%, deaths 800 per day. It's now the world centre for the Delta variant. And the economic impact is probably even worse. 30% of Indonesia's population are now living in poverty as a result of the pandemic. And that's gone up from less than 10% just two years ago. And then the UK. Now, it, uh, one of the most astonishing things in the UK over the past seven days is that the UK was due to open up, and it has opened up, and we were told there were going to be just ridiculously high figures, and there haven't been. In fact, it's gone down every single day. And so on the day of recording here, it's down to 25,000, not the projected 100,000 from the modelers. And then here's another fascinating statistic. There was a, some leaked data that came out and it shows that, you know how we talk about COVID hospitalizations? Well, I would normally take that as being people who've gone to hospital because of COVID. But the NHS statistics show that only 44% of those counted as COVID patients had tested positive for the virus before they went to hospital. The other 56% either caught it in hospital or it was just recognised on routine. So they may have gone in for something entirely different. Now, I think that uh, that's just fascinating. It shows how figures can be manipulated and misused if you don't have them in context. Let's go back to Nicola's statement at the beginning. You have to think about things in context. Here's the wonderful Mark Dolan on GB News talking about fake figures. Why this desire to see higher figures for infection rates? because it perpetuates the fear narrative that so many in the media want to carry on going. Have you ever heard a journalist at one of those government press conferences ever ask why COVID restrictions weren't lifted more quickly, why freedom wasn't granted more readily? Have you ever, have you ever heard them ask whether lockdowns were a huge mistake? Of course not. If I get a slot, that's what I'll be asking. Negativity, fear and bad news are like crack cocaine for the mainstream media. Just as the news gets better, including case rates falling significantly since Freedom Day, funny that, the media's desire to perpetuate an apocalyptic storyline grows. I think that just about says it all. Let's do some ethics. Uh, let's stay in Australia, go to Victoria, where this is true. I'm not making this up. I wish I was making it up. But in Victoria, Dan Andrews, the Premier, has declared and decreed that you are not allowed to visit your parents, but you can go to a brothel or pub. In California, we now have medical schools denying biological sex. During a recent endocrinology class at a top medical school at the University of California, a professor stopped in the middle of his lecture and said this. I want to apologize. I don't want you to think I'm anyway trying to imply anything. And if you can summon some generosity for, to forgive me, I would really appreciate it. 
I'm very sorry for that. It was not my intention to offend anyone. The worst thing I can do as a human being is be offensive. Now, that's what he said. What was his offense? He had used the term. This is what he says. I said when a woman is pregnant, which implies that only women can get pregnant, and I must sincerely apologize to all of you. You're a medical professor. Medically, only women can get pregnant. And when you say the worst thing you can do to a human being is be offensive, you're being offensive to me. You're being offensive to many, many millions and millions and millions of women. But you see, it doesn't matter, does it? In this world, you can be as offensive as you like to people who don't fit into the woke agenda. I imagine that yeah. in that bi- in that in that medical school, they are told that affirming biological sex can be considered transphobic. If there's a shortage of water in Iran, there's a shortage of common sense in some areas of the US. And then I came across this in the UK. Ash Sharker, who describes herself as a libertarian communist, which is an oxymoron, tweeted this. Personal choice, this is talking about abortion. Personal choice is a useful way to think of some health issues like contraceptives or abortion or resuscitation. But it doesn't work for health crises where the stakes are higher than just your own life. It's not about personal choices. It's about collective responsibilities. She's talking about mandatory vaccines. But abortion is somebody else's life as well. And all that we do affects other people as well. So it doesn't, it's not as simple as she, as she points out, but that's part of the inconsistency and irrationality of progressive ethics. They have no structural or sound base. Um, this gentleman died last year. Uh, I, I basically just want to play this tune. Albatross, Fleetwood Mac, um, Fleetwood Mac named after Mick Fleetwood and um, Peter Green, and I, I, Peter Green, the guitarist who basically did that song, plays on that song. He's he's such a character to look at. I mean, he basically had a breakdown from a Jewish background and he was as he was searching and searching and searching he looked into drugs and he just went over the edge and just such a sad tragedy such beautiful music and such a tragic life Well, guess what this one's about? I'm 
saying sorry? Sajid Javid, who had tweeted, please if you haven't get your job as we learn to live with rather than cower from this virus. Whoa, uproar. It went on my um, Twitter timeline as well. Uh, David Lammy, for example, 129,000 Brits have died from COVID under your government's watch. Don't denigrate people for trying to keep themselves and their families safe. Liberal Democrat, health Spokesperson Munira Wilson said his tweet was outrageous. They have insulted every man, woman and child who's followed the, the rules and stayed at home to protect others. He owes an apology. Of course, he had to withdraw it. But here's the thing. Look logically and carefully at what he said. He wasn't saying to people, don't obey the rules. He was saying, in the face of this enemy, that's COVID, don't cower before it. And I do think the fear, he's not saying that people are cowards who die from COVID. And he's not saying that it's not serious, but it doesn't matter. Outrage is how people express things. Do you know, I thought I would play you this because it reminds me of a better time when uh, politicians could say things like this. If we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty, and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. That, of course, was Winston Churchill. Okay, let's just do a couple of church things. Um, I love this story. Israeli archaeologists in the Judean foothills have discovered an extremely rare 3,100-year-old inscription from the era of the biblical judges and carrying the name Jerubbabel. Uh, it's on a small jug from 1100 uh, BC. And... Uh, the name of the judge, Gideon ben Yoash, was Jerubbabel. Uh, I think uh, this is a wonderful story. Go look at chapters 6, 7 and 8 of Judges. I'm reading through that at the moment just now. Uh, nice to have that kind of confirmation. And then I'm sure many of you have heard the story of this lady, Hatun Tush. Here she is speaking on Somali Christian TV. Right now, as I have seen fruits where people are becoming Christian, where people discipling people, I haven't got any voice uh, from the Lord tells me to stop. Because those people don't know Jesus. People are dying without knowing they are forgiven. And there is that platform there. And right now I have sense that Lord still wants me there. So, um, yes, someone tried to murder me middle of the day uh, but while I'm still breathing out and breathing in until Lord takes me home I will be still preaching my glorious gospel 
and critiquing the ideology of Islam, unless Lord makes it clear and then tells me um, any other way. I have seen the pieces of knife which kind of left over in my cloth. And that wasn't like small knife or anything. It was like proper big knife, pieces from the proper big knife. And I've got stitches. I watched the video yesterday and it was God's grace that nothing big happened or I'm still alive. It is by God's grace. She was attacked in Hyde Park. She's, I, I know people who know her. Um, somebody, one of them actually tweeted me before I saw any of this on the media and was horrified that she'd been stabbed. Now, this is where we're at in the UK in terms of free speech. And here's what's interesting. I've not noticed one bishop, one church leader, coming up and speaking in defence of her. I'm absolutely certain if a Muslim had been attacked, first of all, it would be number one item on the BBC News. And secondly, church people and politicians would have come out rightly to condemn it. it a, no one attacking Muslims, that's not, it's utterly wrong. But here's a woman, a brave, brave, brave woman who's speaking, standing up for the truth, and she's stabbed. She said it wasn't her time. Interesting thing with Facebook, they are offering America's mega churches tools for fundraising and prayer requests as they seek to become the major online platform for churches. And they're setting up subscription models in which parishioners pay monthly for exclusive messages from church leaders. And uh, they can have adverts in the middle of services as well, advertising breaks. Seriously, folks? We seriously going to go that way? Um, they've tested it in faith communities. They've launched at the end of May something called a prayer button. And you can click on it and say, I prayed. Well, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing, even by clicking it. The Ms. Jones is in charge of this, said the prayer posts were used to personalize advertisements but that companies were not able to target worshippers based on the Lord, based on the content of their prayers. Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Wow. Just wow. Uh, there'll be a, f a revenue split, apparently. Facebook takes 20%. Church takes the remainder if they fundraise on it. All right. Um, top 10 podcasts. This one. Number eight. And hello, I'm James Carlton. Welcome to God Forbid. Another week has passed. So many more infected. Over half the country sent into lockdown with Australia's vaccination rates far too low. The problems... That is God Forbid with James Carlton. I mentioned it before because I've been on it. Really is worth listening to. Um, he's a fa fascinating host. Okay, a couple of things before I go. Um, let me say something again about the good news. Do you know, we, we listen to all the news that's coming from the world, people being stabbed, shortage of water, plague, war, and so on. The stupidity of humanity as it seeks to destroy itself. And you think, is there nothing better? Yeah, there is. And here's the Christian hope. We're not creating heaven on earth, nor are we seeking to return to a mythical golden age. We're on a journey. I'm reading The Lord of the Rings just now, and like the Narnia tales, it, it just so encapsulates that we're living in the shadowlands and there's a 
much better world to come. And I hope that we're, as we're on this journey, we can journey together. But we are going home. And that's why I leave you with this song from Matt Boswell and Matt Papa. It's their new song called Almost Home. Please keep sending me uh, your, I was going to say your thanks, but that's because some of you did write in to thank. Um, but sending me your criticisms, your thanks if you like, uh, news, comments. Uh, if you'd like to support us, then please do go to the Podbean fundraiser. You'll find links to the various stories on my website, the, theweefleet.com. May God bless you and hopefully see you next week. The promised land is calling, we're almost home. And not a tear shall fall, then we're almost home. Make ready now your souls for that kingdom come. No turning back, we're almost home. Almost home, we're almost home. So press on toward that blessed shore. Oh, praise the Lord, we're almost home. together we're almost home unto that great forever we're almost home what song anew we'll sing round that happy throne fade apart we're almost home almost home we're almost home so press on Oh, praise the Lord.